Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Man. Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. What is the dealio? Ah, oh, man. It's day 30. Where are we? Day 32 on the big social media fast from the twits, the instant, the face. I got such a great guy for you today. His name is John Powell. He is probably one of the most entertaining characters that I know, and he's got stories. Uh, we're going to talk about streetcars, we're going to talk about car addiction, and we're going to talk about television. Um, I'm JR Man, JRMan.com, M A H O N.com. Hit me there. I'm a spiritual director mentor. Would love to come alongside of you while you are doing your thing in your life. I can help. Big decisions, fear, anxiety, worry, relationship strife. I'm all about it. But before we get into that, John Powell. Hello. Who is this? What are you doing? I'm at the track just sitting here watching horses doing circles till 530. That's what I'm doing. Dude, are they racing this early? <laughs> We're not live racing. I'm taking racing from Tampa, Arizona, Florida, and Delaware. We're, uh, we're rolling right now, so everything you say is being recorded. I'm really not that interesting. <laughs> you, you, are, you are interesting. Why don't, you think, why don't you think you're interesting? Oh, there's a lot of people who have far more interesting lives and stories to tell than I do, JR. Oh, my gosh. Dude, you're one of the guys that, like, for me, could write five books about the crap you know. Yeah, there'd be a few chapters in there. It'd be pretty crazy that we've, we've intertwined uh, with each other with, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Tell everybody who... Some, some, what? I call the book something whatever, you know, the story of my life before somebody gets it wrong. Yeah. You, yeah, you should write it. I would read it for sure. Boy. Um, tell everybody. I got like a few more people pass away before I do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. More people have to die before I write. <laughs> yeah, more people have to die. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Tell everybody who you are, what you do. What's to tell everybody about John Powell. Jeez, uh, John Powell, uh, native of southwestern Pennsylvania, a little town called Washington. The natives pronounce it Washington. Uh, was born in '71. I'll be 48 this year. Damn. Oof, oof. And where the hell did that time go? Right. <laughs> so, uh, graduated high school in '89 from Trinity. Nice. Uh, Went right into broadcast television by luck. Oddly enough, horse racing. Um, That was the beginning of the career. Uh, Jeez, what else? You're you're kind of an engineer. I mean, would you consider yourself a television engineer? Uh, uh, You know, a lot of people try to pencil me with that. I'm more of a... I'm a technical director, and by trade, that's, I mean, I push buttons, whether it's equipment or people, you know, either way, it works. But um, I have done a lot of uh, design of control rooms and workflow uh, back in the analog days, and then the digital days, and now the IP days. I've kind of still got my hand in some of that. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, as far as an engineer, when I, when I think of an engineer, I think of a guy with a pocket protector and, you know, welding glasses on and he's soldering cables and, and with meters and all kinds of scopes and all that stuff. That, that's, that's not who I am. Yeah. I, yeah. I always have this running joke with engineers. When I turn the equipment on and hit the button, if it works, it's operations. If it doesn't work, then that transfers to engineering, then they got to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> you're uh you're one of the most creative guys i know being able to design like i was in a television build with you like what like how long ago did we build that thing over at the thing not not to mention where we built it god forbid but uh i mean you're you're super creative you're su- w- would you consider yourself super creative i i would say that i i've i've self-taught I knew when I was younger that I had to fall in love with something because I was going to be doing it for the rest of my life. And I knew, I knew early on that I wasn't going to be on some sort of, uh, uh, what they call it in Hudson, the trust fund. I wasn't going to be a trust fund kid. So wait, 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 which begs the question, was there an actual trust fund that could have been yours? That's, that's the question I have. (laughs) No, no, no. I, my, my, uh, my, uh, my uh, parents uh, were were the love overcame everything, but uh, when it came to means, man, it was pretty grim in my 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 childhood. Right, right. So you knew you knew you need to love something, and television knew, was it was it a natural gravitation toward television, or you just jumped yeah, into it? My, my, my father, my father was a movie theater manager slash projectionist. So I grew up in the movie theaters, like, like, you know, in the 80s when all those blockbusters were the 70s and 80s, I grew up at the theater. Yeah. I learned how to drive an automobile at a drive-in. My dad just tossed me the keys one night in 85 and said, don't hit any poles out there. <laughs> and he was breaking down a film or something at that time. Yeah, he was either yeah, he was tearing down a film. Back then, film was on 20-minute reels that you had to put the leaders and tails on and send them back to... Um, studios all the time these little metal cases i don't even think they do that anymore. no but, i don't um, think they do either so when it came time for me to to find something i wanted to do when i got you know when you get into high school you're, you're supposed to well, at least in the area i grew up in you're supposed to have a formulation of kind of what you're going to study and what you're going to get into and Originally, I wanted to do something that made money, obviously, right? And I was not putting the passion. I was just thinking, okay, what can I do that to make a good wage, a good living? And I thought about becoming an attorney for a brief time. And at okay. the time, in my high school, you had to take certain classes. It was almost like a, a somewhat like a college kind of thing. You had certain classes you had to take for that type of major or something like you take a foreign language and you take accounting you'd have all these what they call them electives that you would have to take and um uh what had happened <laughs> is i was taking a spanish class and i i was failing it miserably because first of all i i didn't really understand it nor did i want to put the effort in to understand it and uh we were halfway through the year. 
And I think the teacher's name was Padani, Mrs. Padani, P-O-D-A-N-Y was her name. And she looked like a Linda, although her, she was, her, that was not her real name. But I always called her Linda Padani. And uh, I probably irritated her a few times. Anyway, so she, uh, I mean, it was just a waste of time to take quizzes and tests and stuff because, I mean, I was, there was no way I was going to pass this, this course. And so one day she kind of singled me out amongst the class. And the only thing that I remember, now this is going back into the fall of 1986. Mm. The only thing I can remember out of Spanish class was, let me think here, Libras, Papeles y Cuadernas de Baja de Asia. <laughs> That's the only thing I can remember. What is it? What does it mean? Uh, put your books, papers, notes, whatever, under your seat. <laughs> right? So and what? So what? Yeah, so what she, goes, she, goes, she goes, now what does that mean? And my name was uh, Pablo. And she goes, what does that mean, Pablito? <laughs> like, belittle me as baby Pablo. And I said, well, Linda, I said, that means get your Eldorado off my taco. <laughs> and she immediately expelled me out of the class. I mean, I got thrown. It's the only time in my life I was ever thrown out of a class. I got thrown out of the class. And I walked across, the, literally walked across the hall. Uh, into the uh, RMC, and there was a teacher by the name of Dr. Tony Voisick, and she said, who are you? And I said, well, my name's John, and I'm kind of lost, and I'm, you know, I got kicked out of this class. And then she goes, well, would you like to run a, would you like to, to learn video? And here's a video camera, and take it home and figure it out. I think she was trying to recruit some, some videos, as I call them, but... Um, she, uh, so basically that was the crossing, that was the extreme beginning of me. There's a photo of me with that camera in red jeans and 86 loaded VHS. Red oh, jeans. You gotta get it, dude. Red jeans. And, uh. What was I it? A Super it V? It was a Super VHS camera? What no, was it? No, we didn't even have, this was pre-Super. This was earlier VHS. You, it was a Panasonic. Umatic? Uh, Panasonic. I think now Umatic was three quarter uh, inch. But yeah, it was just a. But we were shooting the uh, the band concerts and stuff. But that was the that was the beginning of my video career. All because you told Linda get your Eldorado off of my taco. That's that was that was the the point when. I became, I knew I was going to become well, So yes. then that just makes me want to retitle your book because your book needs to be Get Your Eldorado Off My Taco. <laughs> and for the record, it doesn't sound like that's offensive. Like, why would she have taken that offensive? Oh, I don't know. The way, the way people get, get hurt today, please, they'll say, oh, geez, that, you're making fun of the Mexicans now. Yeah. Please. Get your Eldorado off of my taco. <laughs> Holy crap! I was just trying to—I was trying to, you know, have some wit about it and make. She was calling me out, and I was retaliating by making the class laugh back at her, and yeah. I and I succeeded. Yeah, damn, that's and you think you don't have stories? I think after the listen, I've been doing these podcasts every day for thirty days. That's probably one of my favorite stories at this point. That's fantastic. You never knew that? Oh, I never knew the Eldorado off my taco story. I never knew it. Yeah, get your Eldorado off my. T- they don't even make Eldorados anymore. 
How about that? That's good. Okay, (laughs) so so you're a video guy. That's how you and I get connected. But here's the other thing. So you have two more passions that I want to talk about, and we can go either way you want. But I want to talk about this streetcar passion of yours. Now, you do call them streetcars, right? Streetcar depends on what area you're in. If you're in Nolens, you call it a streetcar. If you're in Pittsburgh, you call it a trolley. Okay. What if? What about? So, what do you call the ones in San Francisco? Well, they have two types there. They have streetcars there, or trolleys that run on the uh, F Market Castro line, which coincidentally are a lot of them are ex Philadelphia uh, PCC cars that were built in the late forties. Various cities that had them, yeah, and then they they have the the the, the cable cars out there, yeah. And how you could tell for the novice, it doesn't know the difference. The 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 the, the streetcar has a pole on the roof that goes up and hits a wire that's six hundred volts the DC the the power. Where a cable car grapples, there's a little slot down in between the rails that it grapples the uh, the, the cable yeah. for it to have motion where did you get this passion for streetcars and trolleys where did that come from my father my yeah. father he was my father my father see growing up we never had any there was like i never was into sports i had a heart condition growing up uh a birth defect and i had zero interest in playing sports so to fill that i filled my head with with um with car facts like i would read Motor Trend, Car and Driver, uh, Road and Track, religiously. And and also, my father liked you know, trains and streetcars. He liked rail, rail transportation. And within oh, four miles of where I grew up was this trolley museum that was built on a former interurban line between Pittsburgh and Washington. So... When kids were playing with their little HO or Lionel trains, I went down there and played with the real thing. Yeah, and oddly enough, that's where I learned how to. That's where I learned how to drive a manual transmission because their maintenance car was a four-speed non-synchron match, uh, a four-cylinder work car that you would take out on the line, and that's what that's how I learned how to shift gears. So what? So okay. So it's 2019. What don't people know? I mean, every time I go to San Francisco, I'm freaking amazed by those things. But what don't people know about the streetcar and the trial to the? I mean, the trolley. And what cities are still using them? Uh, Toronto is one of the cities that never got rid of all of them. Uh, there, there's, you know, I'm not much into conspiracy theories, but there was a a period in North America when when it was all about late 50s, 60s, all about about modernization. These cities had all this old infrastructure. And the story goes that General Motors and a tire company and a gasoline company got together and wanted to sell buses. So they basically destroyed all these streetcar networks in all these cities. Pittsburgh had 98 routes in its heyday. It had uh, over a thousand cars at one time that operated on their network, uh, north, south, east, west of the city. Um, and now they're down to just a couple lines in the South Hills. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, there was there's a lot, and there's a, there's a resurgence of 
putting rail back in, but I don't think it's, it's not like, and New Orleans has been very successful. They, they took the cars off canal in 64 and in, in 2003 pre Katrina, they put them back on canal with replica cars and they've, they've added a couple lines. So they're, they're doing it right down there. Just hope they don't get wiped out by another hurricane. So New Orleans does it really great. What other city? I love New Orleans. What other cities do it? Good, yeah, go. New Orleans is definitely El Paso just put in a couple of loops and they, they actually went out to the desert and found restored six of their original cars that they took off thirty, thirty some years ago, twenty some years ago. That was eighty five, maybe eighty three, eighty five. And they just had them restored and there they just opened up before Christmas of eighteen and they just they're 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 uh they're pretty cool looking. They've they've modernized them. They got Wi Fi and they put panographs on them and stuff like that. But yeah, there's Cincinnati put in one a couple of years ago. That city seems like they're anti rail, so I don't know if they'll ever expand that. Uh, Tampa has a setup. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee has a nice little vintage line that goes up and down the street there. And this is uh, a way. Sure a, and this is a way for you to stay connected to your dad. I mean, this is a real because you loved your dad. I mean, gosh, I, I know you. Know, we were very close. I yeah. was the oldest in the family, and he, my dad, uh, definitely. You know, when you say life isn't fair, there's a guy there that, that basically had to um, go out and provide for his family, and he was in the steel industry and stuff like that, and. And he had um, had three of us to raise, and then the steel industry went bellied up, and he went back to his his former his former job. And it, you know, it was always a struggle. You know, it was so he 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 had a lot of stress on him, and you know, he was he was of that age. He was born in '42, so he was of the age where uh, smoking and stuff like that. So. He had a few heart attacks and then had a transplant, heart transplant, 93, lived seven years and passed April 26th of 2000. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a, that was a very sorrowful day for you. Like the, you, you lost somebody pretty, pretty significant in your life. Yeah, it was, uh, I was, uh, away from home. I had already moved to Ohio. I'd been here two years. I didn't really have any friends here at the time. And I wasn't really, I was, I worked for a really demanding person and I didn't think some things were going that well. And I had already kind of downscaled and I was staying in a boarding house and I didn't even have a telephone at the time. And, uh, uh, the engineer that I brought with me knocked at the door and one of my camera guys that actually still works for me today, uh, came to the door and said, your mom has called a couple times. And I'm like, well, that's not good. And he handed me the phone, and I found out he had passed away. So that drive from, uh, I still remember that drive distinctly from Cleveland back to Washington. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, you have a lot of things go through your head. Your life's never the same after that, and it never yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. And what a great, what a, I mean, for me, as I, I know your story, you know, here and there and little bits of your dad, and what a great thing to have the streetcar in in present day for you to really keep that kind of joy alive. I mean, I really think that's well, fantastic. Here, here's something that's very interesting. My dad in Pittsburgh, they were retiring their last 
lead. I think they had, at the time, four. At one time, Pittsburgh had, six. oddly enough, 666 streamlined PCC cars. Those are the, the rounded post-war cars, like the ones they're running in San Francisco. Yeah. And, and El Paso, that type. They're, they're kind of like timeless design. Well, they were down to running their last, I think they had three running, and they were just running them between, they called it the drink shuttle. And this was in September of 99 was their last run. And my dad uh, went over, I went over with him once, and we took a ride like our last ride, but he had must have, I had been living in Ohio at the time, he must have went back over again and rode, rode again, and somebody snapped a photo. Well, years later, the trolley museum that I previously mentioned acquired one of those three cars. Oh, wow. And the number was 4004. That was the number of the car. And oddly enough, the last streetcar my dad rode was 4004, and I have the photo. So oh, that car is kind of very, kind of, it was almost like it was meant to be in a way or something. It's kind of weird, but it's, it's, that's at the museum, and every year at County Fair in August, I go down there, and I like seeing that car run because I know that's the last streetcar my dad rode here on Earth. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, for me, man, as a contemplative, I've already got your dad, like, you know, hanging off the back of one in heaven. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's thank you for thank you for sharing that uh, memory and that touchy. I mean, that's a hugely touching story. So okay, we're switching gears in the last part of this. So you have an absolute. I'm going to call it what it is. You have an addiction to like Lexuses. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so tell everybody. I knew you would deny this. I knew it, especially after we talked two days ago. Okay, so how many Lexuses do you have? I cannot answer that question. <laughs> do you, is it more than five? No, 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 no. If I own more than five, let me think. I had a. <laughs> let's see. I've I've had five. Yeah. So it's, I mean, five years. Okay. So here's the deal. Like, uh, I, I mean, cause I know a bunch of car collectors, as you know, one of them being my, my stepdad, Jack, you are another car collector that I know. Do you consider yourself a car collector? Mm, No, I I call myself, I do collect cars if you want to get factual, but you know, growing up, we didn't, this goes back to growing up again. Growing up, we didn't have, my dad struggled so hard that we, we had some just jalopies, man. I right. mean, like, <laughs> like I mean, what? Like, we, give me I an remember, example. We, 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 my, my, my dad had, there's two that come to mind out of this, this bunch. My dad had a 72 Pontiac Granville. Oh, that somebody hand painted with a brush. <laughs> what color? The car was what probably, color? Uh, originally, because the interior <laughs> was like a like a lima bean green. Oh, so I'm going to say the car one time was either like a green, silvery green. This was like early seventies. Yeah, you know, boat. Yeah, two door. I think it had a, at least it had a four hundred. Yeah, oh, you, you know? had to. And the top originally would have been like a hunter green, but somebody took a nice beige <laughs> and painted it beige. Could so you it tell like a, could but, you tell it was brush painted? Uh, if you got it was a it was a twenty footer. If you got twenty feet away from it it was kinder 
uh, kind of respectable, but you got up and you're like, who did this to this car? <laughs> but anyway, I think my dad paid $500 for it, which he probably saved all summer to get. But that was the car that they had when I was in high school. And the problem about this thing, now, now I'm going to drop my Married with Children reference. I mean, remember Al Bundy had that duster yeah. that constantly yeah. broke down. And, yeah. Well, this car, this car, you never knew. It was like hitting a lottery if the ignition <laughs> was going to fire. Oh, that's great. So, like, we would get dressed to go out. Now, this is where I date myself again. Is we would go to the mall for something. Else. You know, we didn't have all this right. electronic crap, you know, back then. You went to the mall and you met people and actually was in people's lives. You right. were texting and... It was a different, I know it's hard to conceive for the, the youngins out there, but... Um, <laughs> the youngins. That's what. That's just what you did. So, like, we would get all dressed to go, and Dad would hit the key, and Dad, not going to start, and we'd have to sit around for, like, an hour, and then run out and hit the key, and, okay, the cars are okay. With, so, like, you never could plan anything, because you never knew when the cars would start. Well, that, that car met its timely demise, installed in a five-way intersection, <laughs> probably the biggest intersection in Washington, and a tow truck. When Dad flagged down a tow truck. They put the hook under the front of it. When they raised it up, the rear leaf springs completely collapsed <laughs> into the truck. <laughs> what a piece of junk, John Powell. Right after that, that's the first. And the second one, he had a 77 Pontiac Ventura two-door, oh which basically gosh. was, well, this is when GM was at the height of badge engineering. So yeah. this is like when, you know, the, that car, if I would say, what did it look like? It looked like a 77 Chevy Nova two-door. Yeah. yeah. But it had the Pontiac emblem on it. Well, that car had a vacuum problem. So when you started it, the whole car vibrated, like the thing all vibrated. And, and then then we had like had to cut up a stop sign to put over a hole in the floor because you'd lift up the carpet, you would see the road well, in the back. What did you do? I mean, just like, What did you lay the piece of stop sign just down onto the floor? Oh, yeah, just lay it down in there and throw a mat over it. I mean, right. times were tough. Right, right. Well, okay, and so that, that... That's, that's a particular car that I learned to drive and to drive in. They said, don't hit a pole, you know? Well, was, it wouldn't have mattered if finally, you did. <laughs> finally, I begged my father. I said, it has to, has to be, that, you know, I'm getting my license. I'm getting a job. I, you know, we got to get a new car. So in December of 1980, no, November of 1985, these, these dates stick in my brain. Uh, November 85, we bought a brand new 1986 Nissan Sentra, and we had the choice, either a four-speed with air or an mm. automatic with no air. We right. couldn't afford both. Right. And my dad didn't, he had an old Volkswagen, he didn't want to shift anymore, so we went with the automatic three-speed flush box, Ooh, no air conditioning. Nice. No air. I think it had a whopping 69 horsepower. Probably. The, uh, the Small. Stick, the, stick, the sticker price on that car was six thousand nine hundred and seven dollars. Oh, the days, John Powell, the days. Yes, bring them back. Okay, so those, so the, so the trauma between those two cars <laughs> has led yes, you they, into. They, so when I started making money and good money, I said, "Well, I'm not gonna have one car. I'm gonna have lots of cars." <laughs> so I don't think there's ever been a time I've had. Well, there's only been once in my life that I can remember that I only had. 
one car. Yeah. Well, I I like telling, as you know my story, I've always owned a few classics here and there. And I've always known you to have a stable. And when, listen, and the people that are listening, when he says lots of cars, he means lots of cars. So he's got to. I have to say, I lost count, but since 1988, I have probably owned, it's got to be damn near 90 cars. So since 98, you've owned about 100 cars. 88. Since 88, you've owned about 100 cars. I'm good for, you know, rotating something at and, least a yeah. year. And here's, and here's the funny thing. In the beginning of this podcast, you go, yeah, I got nothing to say. Now, I, gotta, I just got to tell the Fiero story because I, I, this is one of my favorites. Oh my so growing up, and it would have to be 85, 86, the Fiero. They the, came out in 84. Okay, so 84 they came out. Pontiac, yeah. Pontiac makes what's arguably, well, not, no, it's not even. It makes one of the ugliest cars known to mankind. At the, I mean, it's worse than that. Well, it, dude, Let's it's dial it back. This is back in the mid '80s. <laughs> Nothing was decent. The foreign stuff was all right, but it would rust to look at it. Yeah. But back in the '80s, like General Motors, they had sold some good cars, like the big D body, like '98s, the Sabers, the Caprices. But then they had some absolute garbage, like the Chevy Citation. <laughs> Oh my the, God! The Don't bring that thing home. So I mean, anyway, le- listen. Let me so tell they, this. So they, listen. So they, hold on. So let me <laughs> let me give you the brief history. In '83, they decided to come out with a two-seat commuter car for Pontiac. Yeah. The rear suspension is a front end of a Chevy Citation. The front <laughs> suspension is cobbled together from. You ready for this? Yeah. The Chevy Chevette. Oh my God! Right? dude. The first year was 84. Yeah. There were four cylinders, yeah. 2.5 four cylinders. All plastic. And completely all, yeah, and door flex panels. And everybody thought that they were like the hottest car going. They sold like a gazillion of them. Well, well okay, so let me pick it up from there. So at the sure. time, I had a 68 Austin Healey. I had a 67 Land Rover two-way 109. And, and I talk about me. Please. No, listen, I haven't owned a hundred cars since the eighties now. So uh, I'm sitting in my backyard in Hudson, Ohio and up come, up come the drive sounds to me like something made in the mid eighties. And I peek around the corner and there's you hopping out of this. It was beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful red two door piece. Yeah, it, it really was mint. And so, but if you know, if listen, if you got a picture of who John Powell is hopping out of a 1984 Red Fiero, it, it's it's pretty damn funny. What happened to that Fiero? Well, the story on that is I loved, as Pontiac changed some different trim levels, I liked the 85 GT, but then in 86, the GT had that round, ugly back end on it. So they made that body stub an SC. So I had found the one that you saw me in was an 86 SC with a 2.8 liter V6 right out of the Chevy Celebrity Eurosport. I think it had 130 horsepower. Anyway, I think it had like 23,000 miles. There was not a stone chip. There was none. When I bought it from the guy, he literally pulled it out of a big Ziploc baggie. (laughs) Out of his pocket. He had, he, yeah, he had he had like five of them, and you could tell he was a little metted up because he had some pills jingling in his yeah. pocket. You'd have to. 
and I'm trying to, I mean, to collect those. Yeah. So I'm like, I went, I, you know, it was one of those cars. I thought, yeah, kind of cool. This is before I got converted to Japanese hardware. But, right. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. So I got this car and then I realized this thing is a museum piece. Yeah. It really so was. I drove it around, I think for summer or two, and I was in Northfield, Ohio, and I pulled up to a stop sign. And a lady, I looked over, and she was driving, I don't know, what, a Dodge Omni or, a, I don't know, a K car. It was a Chrysler product. And I had to look up, you know, Sierra's, it's low. So she's like honking, I'm thinking, what's this lady want? She, and she had oxygen, she, she was wearing oxygen while she was driving. So, <laughs> I mean, like, she was up in years, probably a hardcore smoker. She motions me to pull over in that little leather place in Northfield across yeah. from where the fire station is. Right. So I was thinking of her, she goes, honey, I've wanted that car my whole life. Oh my gosh. I said, she goes, I'm, I want to buy that car right now from you. And I said, well, it's funny, I've got, I've got a, the title in my, in my glove box, make me an offer. And she goes, well, I'll give you $7,500 for it. My bank's right there. <laughs> so literally I had to call somebody to come get me because <laughs> I sold my car at a stoplight in Northfield. So you sell it yeah. on the spot. Sell it on the spot. That's happened to me twice. I've sold cars, driving them down the road. Somebody pulls over and I sell them right there. Wow. Yeah. All right. All right. Oddly enough, they were both Pontiacs. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, so we're 30 minutes into it. That's all I do on this big podcast. John Powell, you have been been one of the most entertaining people in the last 30 days. Uh, part of this whole 40-day internet fast for me, well, social media fast, is to let people know how, how much I love them. And man, do I love you. I consider you a brother, a friend. Uh, a, a, I mean, you love my kids. You love my family. You've never not seen a season in my life change for the last 20 years. So, dude, I love you so much, and I can't thank you so much. Yeah. Also, on a set, on an ending note, do you remember when you lived in Hudson, I, I stored a yellow Alfa Romeo in your garage? Yes, I do remember that. Uh, well, that car is coming back into the stable. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if we end up if we end up moving back, I expect to drive it. Well, you and you and Rob took that thing out and blew down through Boston Mills a, a few times in that thing. You Pro- had a blast. Yes, probably did. Yes. Probably more than you know. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably more than you know and we won't talk about it. <laughs> okay. Well, All right, buddy. Good. I love you so much. Good luck with your horses today. I love you so much. Love you too. See you. In the immortal words of John Powell, get your Eldorado off my taco, which becomes uh, kind of like, I don't know, like a mantra for your life, right? Like a metaphorical like, yeah, man, I'm going. I'm not taking this anymore. Um, Okay, so uh, thank you, John Powell, for reminding us how valuable relationships are and uh, and make sure you're out there telling people that you love them. Uh, Touch people today. Who are the strangers in your life that you see every day? It's amazing how many strangers we have in our lives every day that we just simply don't connect with. Maybe it's a head nod with the dude at the gas station. Maybe it's a person you pass at the bus stop. Maybe it's somebody at a Starbucks behind the counter whipping up the froth that uh, you can take time just to say, what's up? 
Um, but do it, man. We're so... Our, in 2019, we've become so isolated and autonomous with all the social and all the dig, and uh, we need to cut it out. We need to stop letting it nail us to the wall emotionally and relationally and even spiritually. So um, I encourage everybody today to pick up the phone and stop putting your fingers on it and put your lips to it and uh, reach out and talk to somebody today. I'm J.R. Mann, M-A-H-O-N, J-R-Mann.com. I am a spiritual director and mentor and would love to come alongside of you in your journey through this life. Whatever you're dealing with, anxieties and fears and anger and relationship trouble, even career situations, or you just want to figure out some universal truths, allow me to come alongside you. Um, I'm 52, three adopted kids, married 26 years. I was in the television business and ministry business for many, many years. In this season of my life, I'm completely dedicating to staring people in the face um, and just kind of moving heart and transforming people into deeper understanding of who they are. So I'm here, and I would love for you to come alongside me while I come alongside you. All the numbers are on that website. Uh, Gosh, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you being a part of your Life's Work podcast. Thank you for being on my passion. Day 33 is tomorrow. I love you, and I will see you then. 